Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This evening, I am joined by Derek Keither, who's getting ready for another trip away from home. But before he's going to take off, he's sharing some of his time. So Derek, thank you for being here. Absolutely. So last week, I taught a PO class in Dallas. And after class, I got a whole bunch of questions from one of the students. So we're going to take on one of those questions right now. And the question comes from Vu. And the question is, how to effectively work with a distributed Scrum team, both time and distance? We have an IT software project in which the PO is in the U.S., development is in the Ukraine, and testing is in Vietnam. So I guess it's not a question, but they're looking for advice. (laughs) So we're talking about distributed teams and people that are spread across multiple time zones. And there's a whole lot of things you can do to make that work and a whole lot of things you can do to make it fail. So Derek, what kind of advice do you have in terms of how to make this work, especially if the PO is in another country than where the development and the testing are done? Yeah, I want to say that they're doing their best to really fail at what they're doing, but that's not really, <laughs> but um, it really, I, honestly, we recognize you're, we're going for individuals and interactions over process and tools, but not, it's not even, they're, they're separated across zip codes. They're on different continents here. And so they're really trying in their hardest to make this complicated on themselves. Um, I would say first and foremost, I mean, they might, they might have to reorganize their team. I find it hard to believe that, the, t- the development team has to be in Ukraine and the testing team has to be in Vietnam and the PO has to be in the United States. I'm trying to think of some way you can reorganize that team a little bit. Well, let's talk about the complications first. So for me, the thing that sticks out the most is the fact that you want the PO to be available for, for the entire team whenever the team needs them. So developers and testers, um, even if they're not in the same location, the PO should always be available. And if you're talking about a 12 times on difference or you know 10 times on difference, um, that's going to be a massive issue unless the PO likes to stay up all night long. Yeah. And, and I've been in situations where in order to bridge that gap, so it was like four and a half, five years ago, what we did was we had a group that was in the United States and we had a, a group that was in India. And so what we would have is we would have two like counterparts, two purchase, uh, two product owners, one stateside, one in India, and they would be talking all, you know, all the time t- between one another, and then they would try to again be there for that local team. It's not as good as just having one product owner, but that doesn't scale when you're talking, you know, half a day away from from the rest but- of the team. But in the same way that we would say you could have a, a BA kind of supplement the availability of a PO, if you had a BA in each location or you had some kind of product owner team set up where the PO was making sure they were in sync with their counterparts in the different locations, then that could facilitate the conversation a little better. I actually, I think you're, you're hitting on something that is uh, a little bit different than probably what they were ready for in class, but it's probably a, a better solution. And that is... You're talking about individuals in three different locations. Imagine if you had a rock star product owner team in the United States and they fed the work to Ukraine and Vietnam. And that way the product owner team would all be centrally located and they would prepare that backlog to be consumed by the team. And so there should potentially be fewer questions to be asked once it gets to the team. What do you what do you think of that? I, I think that's good. So it's it's kind of the flip. I was suggesting the PO has representatives locally. You're suggesting we just have enough really good people together in the United States. Somebody who's on the PO team that is 
deep with the testing and somebody who's deep with the development and they can feed all the information in advance that the team is going, teams are going to need in those locations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about the, the idea of like, you know, if I'm working on something and I've got a question right now, we don't want them to have to stop and wait for an entire work cycle to be able to get the answer. So is there anything they can do? I mean, other than waking the PO team up in the middle of the night, is there anything they can do to kind of cope with that? Do you think? Uh, again, I'm going to start breaking rules, but my thought is, well, if that team has a couple sprints of ready backlog and they have so much capacity available to them and they think of, they have a buffer of work. So they're focused on the stuff that they committed to in the sprint. And then they have some stuff that in the event that they get blocked, it's kind of like, think of, let's focus on the stuff that maybe we're not quite sure about. Let's focus on working on that stuff when the product owner is available. And those things that we're rock solid, can you know, certain of, then we can do those in the times in which we know the product owner is not available. And not that it'll make a guarantee, but maybe it will lower down, it will lessen the uh, the, the delays, the, right, the impact of the delays. So I like this. So, so some one suggestion would be like what we we're just talking about is the idea of maybe more time spent in grooming or backlog refinement, so that the team and the PO can learn to work better together, or the, the PO team can work better with the team to make sure that the stuff is ready in a state that's going to allow them to work independently. Yeah, and the the more clarity there is around the backlog the more independence you're going to create for that team and and i'm not talking the empowered team and they're figuring it out on their own type of thing but you're providing clarity and direction of the value you want delivered depending on the potential delay or the expertise of the team that you're feeding work to you may have to decompose that work a little bit more than if you had you know, a bunch of co-located A players sitting across the room or across the table from you. Yeah, but we're not talking about big upfront requirements. We want to make no, we are not. That. No, we're not. Okay. And we're still talking about collaborating with the team. But again, it's collaborating with the team and saying, is this good enough? Is this small enough? Do you have enough clarity around this? And keep asking them that question instead of, like you said, we're not doing big upfront planning where they're just doing all the work and just feeding them saying, go do this, go do this, go do this. Yeah. And so one expectation that I would try to set with management view is that um, this is going to take a while to sort out, to get the communication patterns down, to learn how deep things have to go. But if even if you're going a little bit slower up front, I mean, you know, Derek talked about breaking rules. You guys are already breaking rules because you've got the team spread across the globe. And even though it's in the name of a 24-hour work cycle, you never actually get that anyway. So there's going to be a little bit of a delay. And if your company's trying to save some money this way, they're probably going to have to invest that money in, like Derek said, a strong product owner team all together in the U.S. who is working closely enough with these folks offshore to be able to feed them with consumable work. Yeah, and I would argue that having more clarity within your backlog, if we're talking about delays between you know, the, the stateside team and the, and the other teams, you know, we're worried about the delays there. Imagine the delay of working on something, not having clarity around it, and then having to rework it again and again and again. Yeah. So I want to make one other suggestion, and this is maybe a little bit more costly, but um, Tishara Widjawardena is somebody that I've I've done presentations about distributed teams with in the past. And one of the things that she has done um, is when she starts to work with teams that are spread across multiple countries, like in her case, Sri Lanka and Norway, they bring them together for a month in the beginning. 
So if you were able to get funding to bring the folks from the Ukraine and Vietnam and the states together for a period of time, like maybe a couple of weeks, and they could all be in the same space where you could build the relationships and they could practice trying to work in this you know, split time zone way, you would be able to get that feedback loop going faster and they might be able to develop practices that would extend once they all went back home. Yeah, the team that I worked with a couple of years ago where they had the two separate product owners, one stateside, one in India, they actually swapped them. They had them switch places for two weeks <laughs> and the experiment resulted in you know, the team in India getting much better working conditions, better data or bandwidth and everything, because it was just not, they weren't complaining. They were just dealing with the situation on the ground. Whereas when the product owner stateside went over there, like, this is, you can't work like this. Yeah. And, and so it wasn't until they've switched and they have a little bit more empathy for one another, they started working better together. So do you have suggestions about that, that kind of human aspect of it, where if you've got a distributed team, especially if they're separated across the globe, how you can help them maintain the relationships, like the, the not the not work-focused aspects of the relationship, so they have that empathy and they trust one another and respect one another? I think we, we even do it with Leading Angel. We just had our gathering. Uh, yeah. What, was it this last week or the weekend before that? And I didn't get to go. So I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that, man. Um, so that's part of it is if we get together a couple times a year, then we build these relationships and we are more empathetic for one another. We work better together versus you know, a name in a box or name on a distribution list or something like that. You're a human. And yeah. I will admit, you know, a couple of the, the consultants that I've known for, four plus years, whatever it was when I met them at the agile conference, or we met at the gathering and we had coffee together and we just talked about each other's families. Didn't talk about work. Yeah. You know, we're in that setting, but we talked about everything except for work. Those are the relationships I think are the strongest that I have within the company. And those are the ones that I'm more willing. Those who I have relationships with within the company, those are more willing to do things for. You know, yeah. And that's what you need when you have the a team overseas. You just can't say, "Oh, it's the team overseas," yeah, and throwing the work over the wall. You gotta think about, you know, well, they want to go home to their families as well, so help yeah. them out. So I have one final suggestion. It's something that is an experiment that I got to participate in a few weeks ago. Um, Troy Lightfoot is one of the folks from Agile Uprising, and he wanted to do mob programming on Twitch. So it was myself and another PM from Canada. Um, and, and and Troy and Amitai Schleier and and even though Rachel and I didn't know anything about how to do TDD and we'd never done mob programming, they kind of guided us through this exercise that that taught me a lot about the practice. But I felt like I was playing a board game where I was just trying to learn how to communicate better with the people that I was playing with. And I think anything like that, anything that is kind of lighthearted and fun, maybe it's you know around work or maybe it's just to goof off and just see what happens. But building those, strengthening the relationships through any kind of activity, especially if it's playful, can be very important. I'm trying to imagine, you know, I think of my son likes to go on Twitch or on YouTube and watch other people play games. And I'm like, oh, why would he do that? But you know, now that you're talking about it, I would sit and watch somebody program and have sidebar conversations as you can with Twitch and do that, that real time. That's a really interesting way of solving a problem 
where imagine if you had a, just a collection of friends that could join, you know, jump on yeah. Twitch and watch you program and pair with you. Well, and, and that was the thing because it was, it was mobbing. Um, like if I, I mean, I don't know how to code at all. So they're teaching me a little bit about that, but there's some, always somebody else who's guiding, somebody who's typing, and then the other folks are just chiming in. So, and we switched every three to five minutes. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't just you passively watching. Everybody took a turn in each role over and over and over again. And it was through multiple rounds that it became really fun. And that's why it started to feel like I was playing a board game. Hmm. That, so that sounds cool. cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, so Vu, I hope this helps a little bit with, with what's going on with you. Um, and if anybody else has suggestions, if you want to respond to the, to the podcast, post them in, in the notes, um, or you can send them to me, dave.prior at leadingagile.com. Also, if you have questions you'd like us to take on in the podcast, we would welcome those. And Derek, if folks want to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? You can reach me at Derek at leadingagile.com or any of the social channels at Derek Ether. Cool. All right, dude. I know you got to get up really early in the morning and I appreciate you staying up late to do this call. So thanks a lot, man. I loved it, man. Yeah.